This is Coda Radio, episode 337. The end of 2018. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the software, and maybe some development and all of its related technologies. Well, most of the time, anyways. I'm Chris here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and joining us every single week is our host, established down in the beautiful, warm, sunny Florida. It is Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. It's the end of the year as we know it. It is, isn't it? Podcasters mm-hmm. love this time of year because it's a chance to look back at all of the things that we've had to cover every single week and like zoom out and be like, out of all of that stuff, what do we feel like at this point really mattered? Right? This is what we do at this time of year. Right. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's to be honest, as a podcaster, I love this time of year yeah. as a listener of other podcasts. Really? This is when I this is when I listen to audiobooks. I don't know. I don't mind it really if they do it. I right. hate it. Most people don't do it right. They talk about like. See, I always try to bring it down to you know longtime listeners, uh, especially those who've listened to episode one hundred four, which is the the uh, Swift episode. You actually yes, I, went and looked it up. <laughs> I looked it up because do, do you know you mentioned it a few weeks ago? Do you know how many people tweeted and emailed me asking me which episode it was? So it's one hundred four. Okay, that's one hundred four. I gotta go worst. listen. I think the worst episode of Coda Radio. Well, that's when you just, you just bailed on me. I just lost my shit, right? It's like 20 <laughs> minutes of me just yelling about all these foreigners and young kids competing with me. Yeah, that's uh, that's like, it's just me going full MAGA. But like MAGA before there was MAGA, I just want to say I yeah. still hit Trump, right? You're like, right. I was just like, Way God ahead. damn it, I have employees. If you want to listen to me losing my temper and being a pre-Trump, proto-Trump guy... Episode one of it's not a long episode. Though. It's funny you know, because now you, that now yeah, that Trump ahead. is a thing, you're not a Trump guy. Like, <laughs> it's funny. You, d- have you listened to it? Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, I so lived that it. <laughs> So I listened to that one, the one and two before it, because we've recorded three episodes on the same day. Yeah, that was and rough. Dude. You you were just trying to calm me down for the beginning of that episode because <laughs> you had things you wanted to say, and I just kept like, "Well, it doesn't matter, does it?" I mean, I was just like meaningless. Next, like. Yeah, that was a unique experience. Uh, yeah, it was. It was me just going like off the rails. So I don't want to say that this is going to be like 104, oh, but God. it's been a. <laughs> I won't say it's been a bitch of a year because apparently I can't say that anymore. But it's been a swift of a year. I, I just, haven't had enough Christmas tree to uh, to survive this. See, although. Tell me about this Christmas tree gin. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I what do no, I? Where's that out of though? Is it like a Washington? Uh... No, it's a, it's it, what's that well-known generic gin brand that everybody buys? You know, the one in the green bottle with the uh, like the the faux wax uh, seal. Yeah, they got the they got the double distilled or whatever it is with twenty five percent less Christmas tree. I, I I've told you about this before. I've told you about this. Oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay yeah that's yeah, that's, I'm, the hol- I'm, I'm... that's the that's the uh, that is my holiday drink of choice. I'm a Hendrix man myself, but apparently my wife won't allow me to drink hard liquor when I record an episode anymore. Really? Can't imagine the, why. Does she? Is she reviewing your content? No, she doesn't even listen. Do you know why? Because oh. hmm. she'd lose respect but, for you. <laughs> no, 
that that ship sailed long time ago, <laughs> man. That went out with the Titanic. It's, Fair it's, enough. It's, it's more, uh, she's an old Microsoft girl, and she still oh. thinks Windows RT is going to make it. Oh, you know, yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong, though, with having the old significant other do a review of the work from time to time. No, I, I've never had that be the case. Where... Really? Really? Mm, See, yeah. Hadia's quite the writer, so I'll have her sometimes review anything that I'm going to write as a blog post or something. I'll have her look through it. See... See, I want an impartial jury. I don't want a jury who, like, is out to get me. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's that. You know, I this is not related at all, but I feel like maybe sharing it now that we're doing the year-end review. I've been engaged no. for, like, three years now, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, are you married yet? No. No. So it'll change. Next month, I'm planning to actually do it. And I, I don't know if this Muscle is... tough. I can't say this is the case or not. But I feel like me owning my own business was a barrier to me getting married. I agree. Really? Not for you personally, but let me tell you something. One of the hardest things on my marriage, I'm still married to my my wife, but has been uh, entrepreneurship. It has cost a lot. I mean, it is. Because you know what? When the ups are up, it's nice. Like you can take friends out to dinner. You can have a good time, right? You can kind of, I'm sure you know this, you can party it up a little bit. But when you're down, you're like super down. Right. It's an emotional down and a financial down. Right. And, a, and, it, and they, they always come together. So it's not like you can, you know, numb your pain in a, well, let's go out and get a nice dinner. It's like, oh, wait, we can't pay the rent. No. And then it's filled with guilt. Like, why can't I budget so that I can even out the downtimes and like just smooth all this out so that way it always feels like it's I'm so riddled with guilt. But that's actually not what it was. As somebody who's owned a business and gone through a divorce, I have a completely different perspective mm, yeah. on what it means to get married while I own my own business. And so I don't think I was willing to, to I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I wonder if maybe I was a little cautious, if I was maybe not not willing to push the agenda because it was just an unknown. What does it mean if, you know, say seven, eight, ten years down the road, things don't work out. Does she get partial ownership? Like, what does that mean, right? Because I self-invest. I self-invest every every damn dollar I possibly can back into the company. So, yeah. that, and when you're married, that's a shared investment. That's marital property. Yes. Right. Like, right. my business is effectively marital property. Yes, right? like, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, was I willing to do that? Was I willing to, to put my baby at risk like that again? And I think what I was doing was I was punting the question, punting it over and over again for like three years. I punted it. And what that, you know, for me means is like every time we go to a damn family event, I got to like answer the question, when you guys getting married? And every time somebody who watches the vlog who saw us get engaged, who meets me in person, when you guys getting married? And it's always like I got to I don't have an answer. But. And this is why I didn't even know I was doing this. I didn't even know that maybe I was punting because of this until I sold the business. Yeah. And then I was like, well, let's get married. Let's do this. And I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute. Why am I all of a sudden, <laughs> why am I all of a sudden willing to make this a priority where uh, the last three years I just kept punting, kept punting. So for me personally, I, I, I mean, the biggest, the, the biggest transition for me for 2018 has been the sale of the business, getting the team hired, and then trying to plan for 2019. And then the personal aspect, getting medical, going through that surgery that I went through after the appendix rupture. Oh, sure. And now here I am like talking about getting married next month, like major transitions personally for me this year. You know, you know first of all, congratulations. Well, thank you. Right. Uh, second of all, I have to say over the last, I would say six months, 
you know, we've been doing this a long time and we've never met. <laughs> and if my wife has her way, that will never happen. <laughs> I think in the long run, if we keep doing the show for another year or two, there's going to be an interesting delta between your and I stress levels. Yeah. That comes out in the air because you were with me, right? I have to say you went like yeah. I listened to those some of those back episodes because I, I do it for the end of the year show because I'm going to make fun of us being wrong. Sure. But holy shit, you, you and I were ready to drink some cyanide and just like, yeah, say goodnight. Yeah. At a few points. I, I, I you mean, seem I skipped out. calm. I yeah. Like I have to say you seem calm and like you have a level head now. What does it feel like? Like you don't wake up in terror and go to sleep like shaking. Well, it's it's interesting because I don't want to underplay the new responsibility I've taken that I maybe did sure, not fully appreciate before. And you, uh, especially you, you after have reports today. now, right? Like yeah. people report to you, right? And it's going to grow. And I'm responsible for delivering results where before I was responsible for delivering results to myself. <laughs> so that's a pretty big shift. So far, and you know, everything's subject to change, but so far, uh, the leadership a team, which is I am a part of, has been one of the best group of people I've ever worked with. And I was very fortunate because I went down to Linux Academy to help them with their live stream, you know, many months ago. And I got to meet the leadership team. And what I learned is that Anthony uh, James, who's the CEO of Linux Academy, he is really good at reading people and assessing skill and then cultivating that skill to do something valuable within the company. He's really good at that. And I think that's particularly good for a CEO. Also, though, he has transitioned to deferring a bunch of responsibility to a leadership team. And there's not a single person on that leadership team that I disrespect. There's not a single person on that leadership team that I feel isn't carrying their own weight. And so I had the opportunity to observe that firsthand before I made the decision to sell. And I, I don't know if I could have sold otherwise, to be honest, looking back at it now. And and that was a that that was a very unique opportunity that I had. And so I I I think like most people don't generally get that level of insight into a company. They're not generally brought in. And and I think, you know, to Anthony's yeah. credit, it's because he recognized that I had a certain talent that I could bring to the company. So he brought me into the circle. I signed he they did have me sign some NDAs and I was shown some stuff that was uh, you know, private. Not, and, not released or whatever, yeah. yeah. And that all played a factor into the decision process. But at the end, you asked me, how does it feel? What it feels like is a huge relief and also a huge new set of responsibilities. Okay, so let me, let me rephrase my question in a little more pointed way, not as an attack, but you seem far more willing to take risk than you were before. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, that because in, that is in part because there's a whole team of people behind me now. That's backing you up, right? Mm -hmm. You're not alone, right? Like, 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 last week we talked about, or, you know, time-space dilation again, that I did not go to Denver with you to System76, though I was invited. That was a risk calculation on my part, right? I had a sick kid, you know, like, everything was hard. Yeah. It seems like you've somehow been relieved of, not, not everything, of course, you have two children, Three, Two, right? Three. Yeah. Three. Oh, jeez. I'm so yeah. sorry. I know. <laughs> um, I forgot the third. It's uh, Mike Jack, Obama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, no. You're not a jackass. Trust me. He's a jackass. Two, two would be enough. <laughs> Listen, one's enough. I have one. <laughs> My house is in chaos. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Try living no. in a 200 square foot RV. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have a dive. Yeah. 
it's, I don't even know how to say this, but I perceive it like this is our year end show. And I got to tell you something. You're making me think, should I just hang it up? Right. Oh man. I don't mean to do that because like, I feel like that. Yeah. You seem super okay. And I like, I can't say that my year has been an abject failure because it hasn't. But, like, many initiatives I attempted this year never shipped or never took off. The only thing that shipped was really Griffin. Yeah. Right? And let me tell you, there were other things. And damn. Like. Yeah, I mean, there it, are, I feel like there are years where you eat the shit sandwich and you, you have to, like, you re-steer the ship. And there are, there are years where you, you, earn a, you, you, you learn a hard lesson. You know, really, the last three years for me were really hard. They were sure, like, like I, I made, I made certain sacrifices that I'm sure in thirty or forty we years. We talked about trash bags, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'll look back and I'll, I'll think about some of the sacrifices I made over the last three years. I think even on my deathbed, I don't think they'll ever. I don't think I'll ever yeah. be done thinking about them. Um, and and you also have to wonder, like. What's going to happen in 2019 and 2020? Are we facing another recession or are we I facing maybe a correction? I don't know. Like those are the things I used to worry about. So, oh, geez, there's so much here. But can, can we pause this? Because that's my, we have three topics today. Yeah. And I'm going to go in the more positive direction first. All right. And there is one company who stands alone. One valiant, bare-chested, hard-nippled Tight-ass gladiator in the arena, Russell Crowe style. Perhaps the expert of the pivot, you might say. Let me tell you something. I don't even think it's a pivot. It's more like a, a Tony Hawk-style 1080 here. A phoenix rising from almost the ashes. <laughs> Bring me Satya Nadella, Microsoft. Yeah. Holy crap, Chris. What a year, If you huh? listen to this year's quarter videos, we may as well be the Microsoft Action Show. Well, it just, I mean, look at Linux Unplugged. Look at Linux Action Sure. News. All the JB shows, frankly, with the one exception of BSD Now. Yeah. And in a way, too, like, my hatred of Microsoft played a role in my starting of this network because I wanted to talk about these things you could do on this platform that wasn't a Microsoft platform. And that's where the Linux Action Show came from. Like, that was why I started it. So when I hear this, I'm like, yeah, I can't believe the year. I mean, out of all of the places, this network, and and not just our coverage, but our most downloaded episodes have been our, our uh, some of our Microsoft-heavy episodes. So it's not just us. It's the audience, too. I, you know, and... and, and to be clear, neither of us has been paid off, bribed. I am not a Microsoft MVP. Though, frankly, I think I should be. Anyone who <laughs> suffers through fucking Samarin should get a purple heart. Like, that's just me. You, you know, um, your willingness to promote the RT platform early on should have earned you a badge of some kind. You know what? I think I should have got a 21 gun salute on that one. That was <laughs> that was just bad. Like, that destroyed my... Hey, we're not going to get into it. I see what you did there. Well done. No, but f- frankly... .NET Core. No, that wasn't business. That was a massacre, <laughs> damn it. That was like Stalingrad. I was fighting with stones and iOS and Android. Like, yeah. anyway. A knife and a new yeah. fight. Seriously. It was... <laughs> I forgot what I was saying, you son of a bitch. Well, you we were me. just talking about their great year. I mean, the Open Innovation Network, the, the, the continued investment in PowerShell Core, .NET Core, all of that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I'm going to go answer the door, so fill air for a second. No, uh, .NET Core, 
frankly, writing C sharp and F sharp that can run on Ubuntu Linux on Azure, or in my case, because you know Azure P Pricey, DigitalOcean, our old sponsor who has droplets and some sort of new container service that I know nothing about because I still use Docker. Um, that's been super helpful to me. Uh, Xamarin kind of sucked until Microsoft bought them. It's gotten a lot better. Uh, they, underpinning all of this, of course, is .NET Standard. Chris touching himself in the background. You're never, no, you're never going to believe what that was that just arrived at the door. Can I give you one guess? Athelio. No, Athelio. no, no. Come on. No, no, no. Come on. Give a, No, come on. Think about the whole year. It's perfect for our 2018 wrap-up. The entire year in review, what is the one consumer electronics device that just got delivered in the middle of the Coda Radio Show? Alexa. No, close though. Very, very, very close. Not the Facebook thing. You no, of fit. course not. No, of course not. Another HomePod. Yes! You... <laughs> no, no, you did not buy another HomePod. Yes, yes. I... Well, B&H had a sale, 100 bucks off, no sales tax. <laughs> <laughs> that's. Oh, it's good. That's though. brutal. Are you serious? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So you have two HomePods now? No. <laughs> this is my fourth HomePod. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? You have three HomePods? Four HomePods? Yeah. This is my fourth. And I bought one for my dad, too, so it's technically my fifth HomePod. <laughs> you are aware that you're, like, famous for being a Linux guy, right? You know, it is all iOS. It's nothing to do with the desktop or nothing like that. It's all from the phone. So... <laughs> you know, I was talking about how .NET Core is changing the face of Linux, yeah. but let's just forget that. Oh, come on now. That's still Four HomePods? Yeah, well, you know, somebody's got to buy them. <laughs> Apparently, it's you, Marco, and John Syracuse. That's it. it. Those... It, you know what? It sounds really good. It, that is the reality right. of it. Why is your HomePod better than my OG Sonos? I have the original Sonos one. Oh, for one. God's sakes. It's not even comparable. It is, it is, it is. One is a, so the Sonos is a single mono speaker pointed at your face, whereas mm -hmm. the HomePod is like seven mono speakers pointed at your entire room. And it's doing analysis of the room. And I know that sounds like magic hocus pocus bullshit, but let me tell you, it really works. It's, it, it when, if you've never heard a HomePod before, and then you sit down and you listen to a HomePod, it will be one of the best sounding experiences you've ever heard. Unless you have really, really, really high end, you know, $10,000 plus audiophile speakers. I do not. It, it's, it's incredible. And then you compare, you, 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 you link them together and it's 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 even more amazing and the other thing is i just i find combined with ios shortcuts siri to be the most functional and i know i'm the only person in the entire world but it's it's Literally, just it's yeah. just a matter of you know like you know what? i'll give you a, i'll give you a scenario that works great sure. for me i walk in I, I i get i'm listening to a podcast on the drive home and it's 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 really I'm I'm all into it. I show up at the I show up at home. I open up the door to Lady Jupes. I walk in, and I say, "Hey, Shlomo, resume Overcast." I don't I don't have to touch anything. I don't have to say anything. The pod, the home pod, communicates with the phone, figures out where I left off in my in the podcast that I was just listening to thirty seconds ago, and then I can say, "Hey, Shlomo." Play it on all speakers, and it plays throughout the everywhere. home, everywhere. I can go take a shit. I can go get dressed. I can make they dinner. Didn't know that. And I can hear it. It's just for what I do 
It, and, and then also because I prefer to operate over the LAN, I prefer to use local services and not ping like a remote API and then have yeah, that come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those things, just HomeKit is better cool. for that kind of stuff. So for what I'm doing, it's just better. And it sounds right, better so, than any other device on the market. So I want to bring us back, but really quick. I will tell you that my big, I have a Sonos 5 downstairs that my wife uses for like we have people over or whatever. And I have a Sonos 1 in my home office. The worst part for me of the Sonos experience is the software is absolute garbage. Now, I am an iOS user like you are. I have a 10s or yeah, I have a 10s. Um, it sucks. It's slow. It doesn't respond. It gets confused all the time. Yep. Yeah, I found the Sonos software. But the sound, but the sound quality. It's okay. It's not bad. I agree. It's not bad. So HomePod versus Sonos. Better. But HomePod, HomePod is better. Yeah. And, and shit, let me go order four right now. Yeah. Fuck that. Hang on. Uh, B&H. Go get it from B&H if they still have the $250 price with no tax. Is it really better? Yeah. I, I mean, I've only owned three or so Sonos devices, but mm. I'll tell you the one that finally that finally did me in was I got the Sonos one. That, so there, this is the thing that's confusing. There's a Sonos numeral one, and then there's a Sonos O-N-E. I have the original. When, when I say Sonos one, I want to be clear. I have the original small speaker. I that comes this, in white and black. Now, I have the newer one that is also called the Sonos One, but is in I thought that was called the Sonos Echo or Sonos nope. Alexa. Nope. Nope. Oh, really? It's called the Sonos O-N-E, Sonos One. That's with, very confusing. With Alexa. Cancel. It's Cancel. Hey. What? <laughs> hey, Google. No. Fuck you guys. <laughs> no. So, yeah. uh, here's the thing. is it's, it's, a, it's a joke. It is... It does about... 30% of the function, functionality of an Echo device. It is woefully under... It is woefully oversold and woefully under-delivered. Like, it's just so bad. It's, it, is, it is a shit device. It does shit things. I've tweeted Damn. about this before, and they, they, Sonos tweeted me back, and like, if you want to open up a bug report and submit what's wrong... It's like the entire thing That's like the bad. worst response they could have yeah. uh, ever yeah. given you. <laughs> an, an Echo Dot connected to nice speakers is... Is is got to be eighty percent, maybe maybe seventy percent more functional than a Sonos One with the Echo software built in. And so I bought this thinking I'd have a nice speaker. Wait, and an, an Echo Dot, an Echo Dot, a thirty dollar Echo Dot connected to a. You nice know, you can of, have an Echo Dot. So my old Sonoses, if you have an Echo Dot in the house, you can talk to the Echo Dot, and they can control the old Sonos. Yes, that's a little bit, which better. is retarded, but you can totally do it. Right, yeah, like that, a that's better. a dumb thing to do, but yeah, okay. Uh, my my point is is that they overpromised, underdelivered. Whereas the HomePod is very simple. It's a speaker for music and and my podcasts that can also control my home devices, and that's really all I want. Uh, I can ask it about the weather. I can get the news report. I can do uh, certain conversions. I can ask it certain queries. Uh, that's really all I need. Um, I also I also this year got the the Google Home. Um, what do they call it? Do they call it the Home Hub? I got the Google Home Hub with the screen. It's pretty good. I, so I bought two of them because I wanted to try it out at work, too. Uh, and it's not bad, but at the end of the day, I still prefer the HomePod. So can I tell you something? From a dev standpoint, this stuff just hasn't arrived. Um, I very aggressively pursued Alexa development, which I'm sorry I keep saying the name. I'm just going to say Amazon from here on out. Or Echo. Just say Echo. Echo, which uh, echoes the trigger? No, right. I'm confused. Echoes the trigger. No, no. 
The A word. God is. damn it. So you can call you know, So I just say the Echo or the Echo 2, the, the Lady yeah, yeah. 2, that kind of stuff. It, it just hasn't, like, panned out. It just... Yeah, it was going to be are, the bot revolution, wasn't it? Right, and, it, and the bot revolution just kind of went to hell. Um, you know, Slack is IPOing right now, and, and yeah, they did have their Slack bot fund, and a few people made some money. But the best outcome, if you look at bot companies who are making and selling bots as, like, startups... Um, like pure product companies. Do you know who the best outcomes in that space were? Hmm. I can give you an answer. They all got bought by one company. Microsoft? Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft. Yeah. Hmm. But isn't that a big part of, I mean, you say Slack's IPOing, isn't that a big part of their value? The bots are like it, right? Slack's or Microsoft's? Well, both, but I mean, part of what makes Slack so great is bot integration. If right. it wasn't for bots, Slack would just essentially be IRC for the most part. I don't know. Yeah, because see, here's the thing, Mike, is I feel like I feel like the hype around bots was early, but not undeserved. As somebody who uses a bot still to this day to manage certain parts of our live production, it's undoubtedly valuable. And bots have been useful in IRC for decades so to think that they're not valuable in these lady tubes, I think is just, it's just a matter of not the right implementation yet. It's not, the theory I think is sound because bots have proven their usefulness in Slack and in IRC. Don't you, don't you think like, it's just a matter of implementation at this point? They haven't, they haven't landed on it yet? I'm not sure. I think it has to do with the monetization model. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a big part that, of it. That it's hard if you're either going the bootstrapping route where you need to actually make money to pay for yourself or the VC route where, you know, if I was selling a bot, which is something I consider to venture capitalists, I w- it, it would be a total aqua hire acquisition play, right? Give me capital to build this and let me drum up enough press to be annoying that some larger tech company buys me. Yeah. But if I had to bootstrap it, well, that gets real tough real quick. I mean, I use Geekbot over at TNB, which is a Slack bot, and it is not a smooth experience to get Geekbot. Like, you have to be an admin, and you have to know how to, like, you know, set up a bot in Slack. And I think that's beyond your normal business user, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's not like downloading an app on the iOS app store. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, it's just it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and and monetization, um, <clears throat> the restrictions, like to build a really great bot, you need to be able to run it on your own back end. You need to be able to self develop it, and having to build it on all of their all of their platforms has, I think, it slowed it down. I think, in a way, this uh, appification of the market. On both the mobile devices, the lady tubes, and even the web, to both Google and Firefox's best effort, has slowed down progress, where people could build something really awesome on their own infrastructure, and then you could watch them scramble like hell as they tried to scale it up as it got more and more popular. But they had the ability to build it themselves and do something outside the box, outside the sandbox. Now everything in 2018 is in a sandbox. Amazon or Google or Microsoft or Apple's, those are the biggest sandboxes. But you could almost even start to look at Linux as a bit of a sandbox. And so 
You can only do what the sandbox lets you do now because that's the only way to get a network effect, right? That's the only way to get scale. You got to play in the sandbox. Jeez, yeah. I mean, I would say this ties right into our next topic of where have all the indies gone? Yep. Yeah, where have they gone? I think this uh, is a big problem. It's not... Things are looking rough. I mean, panic still exists, but not, not as they were. Black Pixel had layoffs this year, I believe, unless it was the end of 2017, but I believe it was this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, Black Pixel. And, and these companies I'm mentioning, if you don't know, are large iOS and Mac development shops who do products. It's been, the monetization story has been basically, you know, I've been screaming about this since 2012, but it's games and free apps with, you know, large proprietary, in-apps, right, large proprietary services with them. Yeah. I.e. Spotify, things like that. Yeah, monthlies. I don't know. It, it, the playing field is is looking, frankly, brutal for our new developers. Did you see um, that OmniFocus is switching to a monthly subscription plan? I saw, and I was very annoyed. Yeah. Oh, OmniFocus, yeah. Omni, I'm sure OmniGraphle will be next. Yeah. The Omni it's Group. The Omni Group. The, the Omni Group. They a, said, a, you know, a, we, can, we can sell $20 software, but there's not a market for it. But we can get $5 a month. Right, a top-shelf iOS and macOS development company. Yeah. If you can't make money on Apple's platforms anymore, then you're things. <laughs> you're things not going to make it on Android, <laughs> right? Things are just looking rough. I don't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been screaming about this for years, and this seems like the end in a lot of ways. I think some of the blow has been softened by a lot of aqua hires, especially out with the California shops, hmm. and uh, a lot of people I knew who were trying to do products have turned to doing consulting and and like basically becoming pseudo software development companies. Services, services, right? Because damn, it's 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 tough to make money on these platforms. I mean, we just talked about the the uh, Echo. Well, that's a platform where you can't really directly charge for. No, but maybe if you're lucky, Amazon might just cut you a check for an arbitrary amount based on the value they think you could be providing at the particular time. Yeah, an arbitrary check for an arbitrary amount. That sounds like a great business model. Yeah. (laughs) And on the other side of the coin, you have iOS, which has become, you know, First of all, you have a lot of consulting companies who are putting up free iOS apps as effectively portfolio pieces. And they have a lot of perverse incentives to do things like juice the ratings of their app. Not because they want to sell the app or for the app to be successful, but they want to go and advertise for their consulting service that our app was in the top X of Y category, right? And they may do that by simply finding a good paid app, copying it, and making their version free. Um, and frankly, paid if you look at the charts, paid apps are not doing well in iOS. And they've never really done super well in Android. When you a lot of its games in app purchases, I think we are on the verge of a massive shutdown of indie development and indie product companies. And I think the other force here, Chris, is larger employers embracing remote work. Hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, that really opens yeah. up the talent pool, doesn't it? It opens up the talent pool and it says, do you really want to hire a dev shop if you can just hire somebody cheaper in a cheaper market? Particularly if you're in Los Angeles or New York. 
the tools are getting better to manage a larger remote staff too. That's one of the things I've noticed is some of the tools in the business marketplace now are remote first. They really are. They're just they're they're hosted applications that the company signs up to and they're remote first. It doesn't matter. You get the same exact equivalent experience if you're local or remote. Yeah. I think it's I, I think one remote work is gonna become a de facto standard and I think a lot of service companies are gonna at first do well. I think we still have a few more years where being a service company is relatively easy. Hmm. And I think in and this is a very US focus. I think a lot of that has to do with just like the way payroll is done in the United States is stupid. <laughs> it, it's frankly state by state, which makes it hard. Like, we're a remote company, but we can only employ people in Florida and New Jersey. Yeah, it is difficult. Right, because, like, it's it's just dumb. Yeah. Because the U.S. allows individual states to have different laws and different... That's stupid. If that were ever to be fixed, I worry if we're not going to see a destruction of a large number of consulting companies. Or a consolidation, right? You might see a, You might see some of them glomming together. Yeah, it really kind of depends on how the whole market does. And I I have this I have this sinking sense. So what do I know? I'm not, I'm not an economist, right? So I'm a podcaster. What do I know? But yeah, uh, right. here in Seattle, we are experiencing a significant slowdown in the housing market. And the thing that's that's notable about that is we were one of the lesser affected areas from the uh, 2008 crash in the housing market. And we've had a very, very healthy housing market for um, years now. And the other place that you may have heard of is this uh, little area called Las Vegas, Nevada, that is also mm. going through the exact same process right now. And so when I see that, the, old, that the former business owner in me would be watching these trends as well as other market indicators. And I would be saying to myself right now, you better start stuffing your nest. Because the process of a recession has a way of thinning the herd and really kind of shaking out anybody who doesn't have a solid business, that isn't making a solid revenue, who can't afford to cut back in a few places. And it may not be coming, but it is something you have to worry about as a small business owner because you are very vulnerable to that kind of thing. And, it, it, you know, it, it, maybe things change and, and it, it's, it's not even something you have to worry about. But for me... I think I could connect. Well, I mean, you know, I sold the business. It's these, these, these kinds of things are, they're getting at the scale now where they're so large. There's so many things that influence and so many different factors that play in that you, you'd really have to be somebody who is either a hyper genius or focused on this particular problem. And the way larger businesses and by larger, I just mean businesses that are bigger than you and I, or I was. The way they deal with it is they have, a, they have people that are dedicated to managing these risks. And that is their area of focus. And that's what they dedicate their day to. And they're able to analyze these risks and make proper recommendations to the business to deal with it. And then the business is able to make corrective actions or preparative actions six months before it's an issue because they have people that are dedicated to watching these things. And that's how they mitigate these larger market risks. 
But a small business cannot afford to do that. And my watching CNBC is not sufficient. And I, I do wonder if maybe that's why you're seeing this huge drop off. I, I mean, you and I are going off of our own. I, I mean, maybe there's data out there to back us up, but this is our own perception. But we were both in agreement about this, that there is a, a, just a die off in the indie market. There's still a few major but, indies out there, the yeah. well-known ones. But there's just been a massive die-off. And I think I mean, this, this might is, be why. This is playing this, a part. This is completely anecdotal. But a couple of years ago, I used to go to, you know, these like business networking, chambers of commerce events. And I would say, oh, you know, I'm a software developer. I own a small software company, blah, 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 whatever. And everybody had an app idea they wanted to try to invest something in. And I'd usually say no because those people tend to be hard to work with. Now I go and I say the same thing and they say, oh, geez, you know, I invested, you know, n tens of thousands of dollars in an app or in a bot or in something like that. And I lost it all. Right. It's something has happened where the market is now in a more, in my perception, this is my anecdotal perception, in a more negative and conservative uh, psychological place where people are not necessarily looking to make these 40 50 60 thousand dollar investments they're looking to walk away from it they're looking to say mm, yeah 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 they're, they're looking to reduce risk reduce risk and and frankly brace for impact right yeah get ready for it so what ah boy this is a pretty negative message for 2019 <laughs> you know when you sit here and add it all up like what we're really saying is 2019 could be a shit show it could be fine you know who knows but some of the headwinds indicate that it's going to be a shit show well i think i think the question is is it 2019 or 2020 right like there are some upside like if if you believe the the us economy is going to hit a recession well recessions aren't bad for people at least in my business cuz then you can hire you know, talented developers who've recently been laid off. You can't yeah. retain them. And sometimes, right? Companies, Once the recession's over, you can't retain them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes companies will suck them right up. But also, the flip side is, it is cheaper to have a six month contract than it is to hire somebody. Right. But the problem is, do companies and your potential clients slash customers just decide to not engage in contracts they might have otherwise engaged in? Right. Does the credit market dry up if you're a small business and you occasionally need to rely on, uh, you know, capital? Right. Yeah. Some, I think it a problem. Does. I don't. Right. It, it, I know it does. Right. We've both been through a recession before. You can't borrow a nickel to buy a yep. a, a penny. Right. Like frankly, you just, you nope. just can't do it. There's no. There's no credit for you. <laughs> there's no credit to be had. Right. So. See, in a lot of ways, I think it was iOS that, one, created my business, and two, saved a lot of the tech people from the dot-com recession. Yeah, but now it's also robbing you in some way of business. Well, it, somehow it's become a, and I know people are going to hate when I use this word, rent-seeking activity. Yes, where all the iOS developers are effectively sharecroppers. And there are some sharecroppers who have done really well. We call them Marco, right? Like there are, there are some people who've done well, but there are so few. So few. When you look at the vast majority, and when you look at the, you know, this isn't just like sour grapes. 
if you look at the old Mac ecosystem, there were a lot more small develop two man, three man, four man development shops that were thriving in the old Mac ecosystem. That in the iOS world, in in today's modern mobile world, can't can't make a living. Yeah. Yeah, BB Edit comes to mind, and bare bones software. Well, there's a there's a whole pile of them. I mean, it, it you know even you know a world where Panic seems to be struggling and Black Pixel is struggling, and those are like the two Cadillac vendors of iOS development. It, especially when Black Pixel's also a consulting shop, and they've seemed to have effectively doubled down on consulting for large brands. That tells you something about the platform. This is why I just fear the whole industry over 2019 is going to switch to services because there's a lot of a lot of media coverage right now of Apple making the transition to a services company, right? You've you've probably heard that. Yeah, like they got to bring it. Yep. And that those kinds of uh, those kinds of behaviors by a company like that have a way of setting a tone in a market especially one that's as trendy as the tech market. It's so, it's so, so annoying. And the way you get services revenue is by monthly charges. And I think a lot of software shops, the Omni Group, but a lot of others are going to go to a, a monthly services revenue model. And the software is the service. And the software becomes available on as many platforms as they can support because that's part of the service. And if you can't figure out a way to tie in monthly revenue, you're going to have a really hard time. You're going to need to be selling to a particular kind of niche that will be willing to pay the margins that can sustain your application development. And if you're not targeting, you know, the developer niche or the professional niche or the whatever niche, if you're not targeting those and you're just going after general consumers and you don't have a services component, you're likely not going to make any money. And that means that it just, kills a tons of you think about all the types of apps that are build it once and release it and then slowly and appropriately iterate on it there's so many applications where that is the appropriate development model but services model is going to really it's going to put the screws to people it's i don't even i don't even think it is i i think what's going to happen is it's just another race to the bottom yeah. You yeah. know, your $5 a month that you're paying is going to become three, then it's going to become two, then it's 99 cents. Right. The, the, the fact of the matter is whether it's a service or a straight purchase, the perceived value of software to end users it has, it's just lower. Yep. I mean, I remember paying hundreds of dollars for software. Yep. I, I mean, this is why Creative Cloud is now a thing. They used to be able to charge $1,000 for their software for one particular application. And Adobe has had to move to the monthly services model for the same exact reason. Microsoft's you know, trying to do that now. I remember years ago when we started the show, you and I were railing against what we perceived as um, the commoditization of software, yes. right? Yes. Well, I think it's safe to say we're already living in that world. Yeah, well, we're there. Yeah, we're well there, yeah. And the changes, the change I think I'm perceiving. Now, I will give you that the Tampa area where I'm now living and working is a growing market, and we have a big Microsoft campus here. So there's a lot of kind of 
you know, the Titans are eating the Olympians, right? There's a lot of, if somebody is doing something interesting, someone's going to quat, either squash them or buy them. Yeah. But as a consulting shop, as a dev shop, it's frightening, even in that industry, how locked up things are becoming. And when I say locked up, things are less about little cool dev shops and more about partnerships and like deal channels and <laughs> deal channels <laughs> yeah like that's a horrible phrase right like that's a super gordon gecko phrase but like that's there is something going on where like the perversions of the big cloud like aws azure and uh frankly it's just aws and azure that have have hit me where they simply do have an ability to funnel deals to preferred vendors. And like, you know, even in my wildest, most negative dreams in 2012, when we started the show, I never thought consulting would be like corrupted by this large platform bias. But it actually has. Because it turns out if you buy, let's say, cloud platform A, you and you go with cloud platform A's partner consultant. Well, you get a little break on the cost. If you go with an outside consultant, you don't. Yeah. 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 Plus, uh, you're, you know, if you think about the, the, you're, you're, if you don't go with that uh, preferred vendor, then you're going against the recommendation. So you're the person that's going out on an edge and saying we should go with. Right. And then whatever happens with your, your larger deal is your personal responsibility. Yep. And there's, this, and there's no IT manager wants to do that. So this is my crazy prediction for the next two to three years. Are you ready? Yes. These vendors, uh, Microsoft and Amazon in particular, bring consulting in-house. And they do it via offshore developers. Now, they're already doing it some anyway, but I think this becomes a big thing. I think they stop Part of their service. With, right. They stop part in an, in an effort to sell Azure and AWS. They stop partnering with small companies like mine who, they, who can be risky and maybe not deliver or get into scope arguments or whatever. You know, all the reasons you have, you might not want to partner with a small company. And they just simply provide the service themselves, either through yeah. investment in a small shop where they're a you know a majority or significant minority stakeholder. No, they'll just do or, it in house, or just frankly, they own a oh, shop they'll, in they'll do, India. They'll, they'll, they'll uh, they might even spin it up as their own individual business unit. And the reason why I say this is, I just completely agree. Having gotten a slightly better understanding of the education market. And watching the different vendors have different approaches with how they're going to handle education and if they're going to try to create their own content or if they're going to partner with Linux Academy. And it's interesting to watch them go through the process of trying to determine if educational material is a tactical advantage or not. And they will do the same exact evaluation with services and consulting. There's no doubt in my mind now that you say it. They will absolutely make the determination that it is of the utmost importance that they bring consultation in-house and offer it directly because only Microsoft can properly sell Azure and only Amazon can properly sell AWS and help you implement it and offer the hands-on consulting to implement it all properly. 
Yeah, and and, and they're going to do it under the guise of like, you know, I, I can see how they'd bank this transition, right? First, they'd say, well, we do have an in-house option, but it's a little more expensive. Or we have partner solutions, but, you know, we can't vouch for Yeah, they, they'll be a little subtle about it. And then, you know, as people start going for the... Uh, in-house solution. In-house solution over the partner solution, the value of the partnership goes down and down and down until eventually... You have less and less know, people participating, for one. It, it's not worth it to employ all these evangelists, mm-hmm. right? Like, you, you, you start to see how this would happen. And frankly, this is... This happened once before in the early 90s with IBM. No, even more recent in the uh, early 2000s with Microsoft and hosted services like Mail and other Exchange. Right, SharePoint things. This is the same exact thing happened there where it went from valued resellers to Microsoft's just going to sell it in-house and do it in-house. Yeah, so so, you know, obviously I'm very egocentric on this where this is a, a existential threat to me, right? This is this is this is what you're watching for for the next year, right? This is what I'm afraid of, but I I don't know what the future looks like for your general. And when I say small, I don't mean like Thoughtbot. I mean Thoughtbot's still a, you know they're not a huge business, but they're they're pretty big. I mean like JB before it was bought and TMB, right? I mean like less than thirty people small. I think you're gonna. I, frankly, I think you're gonna see a calling of the week. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Wow, that's a positive. Uh, that's a positive, positive note. Uh, you know, um, this is where you get battle tested, and this is where you jump on other opportunities if they make themselves available. I think the reason why a a a successful business owner worries about these things is because it makes you more amenable to possible opportunities that could help solve this and if you're just heads down and not paying attention then you might not be willing to consider an opportunity when it comes along that could help alleviate some of these stresses so while it sounds all doom and gloom this is the exact process you have to go through so that way you can make a full picture decision so you're doing the right thing it's just because it involves your livelihood it's stressful it's really stressful yeah i mean this is the process of time right and i will say for myself personally i have the disadvantage of having quote-unquote grown up right at the time when the app store gold rush was happening (laughs) so my expectations may just be a little incorrect well there's only one way to know you got to go to coder.show slash subscribe That's right. and get every episode and find out what happens because this is part of the journey. This is part of the art and the business of software development, and that's what we cover right here on the Coder Radio program. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want people to visit towards the end of the year? Uh, yeah, go to themadbotter.com and at Dumanuko on Twitter. I'm tweeting all kinds of fun stuff about Knuth because Knuth, my friends, is key. I agree. And if I'm off getting married, if all of that actually works out and I'm doing the honeymoon thing in January... We are already making very interesting and, I think, exciting plans for coverage in Coder Radio throughout that period. So never fear. Coder.show slash 337 for the things we talked about today and coderradio.reddit.com for our subreddit. Oh, and one more thing. I'm at Chris LAS. The network is at Jupiter Signal. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Coder Radio program. And we'll see you back here probably next week. <laughs>